welcome to the Fall Summit podcast. Fall Summit represents the continual process of striving for the next goal before discovering that these goals are waypoints on the path to the next summit, not the destination. We aim to discover how others deal with this never-ending path and illuminate strategies, techniques and ways of viewing this process to help you continually progress on your own climb of betterment. In today's episode, we dive into a conversation with Ian Barber from CrossFit Glasgow about what CrossFit means to us as trainers. This is by no means a short or concise description, but it's an exploration of the training methodology from our experience as trainers who are immersed in helping people improve their fitness, from top-level athletes to those entering the later decades of life and everyone in between. From the beginning, the aim of CrossFit as a company has been to forge broad, general and inclusive fitness. The prescription from the very beginning has been constantly varied functional movements performed at high intensity. It's a simple and effective way to achieve what CrossFit defined as fitness, which is increased work capacity across broad time and modal domains, being able to do more in more situations, basically. It's a training methodology that really prioritizes GPP, which basically stands for general physical preparedness. It's the ability to do those more things in more situations. It's the underpinnings of just about anything that makes you athletic. We start the conversation looking at how Ian found CrossFit in the first place, moving through how the training applies to competitive athletes, before we discuss how CrossFit can apply to the rest of us. We dig into some great recommendations for the everyday athlete and those returning to training after the lockdown or any time off from training really. Without further ado, enjoy the conversation. Um, So what is CrossFit? you know, some of you who are listening uh, either come to us as members. Um, some of you may have never done CrossFit before. Some of you might be interested or CrossFit curious. Um, but today we're just going to sort of like go through uh, what it's really all about uh, from our perspective, uh, both myself and uh, Ian Barber, who's here with us today. Um, uh, from our perspective as trainers, um, and I think for us, there's like there's things that we've learned as CrossFit trainers over the years, um, both through the CrossFit certifications and just our own experience and training people, that are kind of useful to to everyone to know, even if you never want to coach um, or you never want to train other people. There's things that that are really useful to know to understand why you're doing what you're doing. Um, we've kind of roped Ian in today because he's forgotten more about CrossFit than most of us will ever know. Um, he was kind of our mentor in starting to become trainers, uh, certainly for me um, when I was living in Glasgow. Um, and he's a good friend that's kind of uh, always been at the end of a text whenever we've gone and freaked out and gone, what do we do about this? Uh, <laughs> which has been super useful. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Ian. Thank you so much. That was like so gracious <laughs> we're, we're all into the gracious intros in this podcast <laughs> um so way back in the sands of time what got you into crossfit how did you first discover it uh well crossfit for me started when i was in dubai working as a trainer i used to do a lot of uh, bodybuilding and you know the usual thing you fail at a sport uh you drop out from that lose interest in love and you try and pick something else up and you just end up going to the gym hanging out with some big guys and decide oh i'll just i'll just get big and so yeah just spent my time just doing some bodybuilding with a with a former mr pakistan uh, a couple of years down the line used to play a lot of rugby a couple of years down the line standing on the beach thinking i'm looking good in the sun and then someone brings out a rugby ball and I just couldn't move anymore like I couldn't even last five minutes I felt dizzy I felt sick and I just kind of felt trapped in my body that this body that I'd built and was proud of just moments before and then (laughs) I I realized that there must be something else um so then I just started looking around for essentially metabolic conditioning, right? Some Metcons, something to get my heart rate up. And I was training a couple of guys at the time who were security guards for some banking CEO and they all did CrossFit. So I jumped in with them, tried my first workout and never really looked back. And I suppose like from, what was your first, I suppose your first point of contact was people who were doing CrossFit and were they sort of following .com? uh in the old school way yeah yeah so they just it was three days on one day off and um i remember talking about 
just needing to get my fitness up. And these guys were saying, yeah, yeah, well, I was training, I was training their boss at the time. They're like, yeah, yeah, come train with us. And I was like, okay, well, I'm free in an hour. And they're like, oh no, today's a rest day. And I was like, right, okay, this doesn't sound very good already. (laughs) (laughs) And then (laughs) went back the next day and I just got my ass handed to me. That's uh, that's uh, that's a really good Genesis story for you getting across it. <laughs> and so, what was your first exposure to CrossFit methodology and 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 the kind of like the the back end of that? I suppose and rather than being a, someone who's a, either a willing or unwilling participant in doing the training um, at first, like when was it you started to dig into the methodology and why it was effective and what was good about it? Like. What interested me about CrossFit, and you know, this goes uh, this goes back to the question of what is CrossFit. Um, I think that's probably different for quite a few people. And for me, I was looking for an answer to what's what's the minimum I can do to just stay healthy and keep tackling what life throws at me. You know, I'm just looking for a a way of training that keeps me developing and really like that's all that's all I was after because like I said I've been built bodybuilding and I thought I thought I looked all right I thought I was doing okay and then just a little bit of exercise absolutely floored me and I was like well I can't sprint I can't turn I can't basically play right and then here there is is this concept of you know 100 words of fitness finishing off with learn and play new sports and it's all about just getting the most out of life and the most out of your body and i think that's just what appealed to me like made me start to dive into it and i think that it's it's interesting because that was i mean that was over 10 years when was that yeah that was about 11 years ago now yeah yeah it's 11 years ago and i would say that you know however long i've been kind of involved in crossfit it's steadily just returned to that idea of being able to do more with your body in more situations that are fun and that are out in the real the real wide world and you can kind of get out and enjoy those things um like at the drop of a hat and i think that's kind of what it's always come back to even though you can kind of get distracted by the glitz and glamour of various different parts of of training and crossfit and crossfit as a sport and all that kind of side of things it's it, it kind of comes back to that being able to do more and more situations thing. Yeah, 100%. The, it kind of leads me into like a usual kind of sales spiel I have with people at the gym. But, you know, the whole point of CrossFit is, like I said, is three days a week minimum, three hours of your time a week minimum will help you play with your kids, climb a Monroe, do a 5K for charity and go to one of those weird trampolining places, you know? Like that's really what you want your training to do is to enable you to do all that stuff outside. Yeah, totally. And if you've ever been to one of those trampolining places, it's like an hour you've got and you want to make the most of it because it is so damn fun. Oh, uh, I, I was so burst after 10 minutes in there. I was like, oh, my ankles are pretty tight here. <laughs> <laughs> they're the best place to learn handstands as well because they're entirely padded. Um. I suppose like really digging back into, you know, the, where, where CrossFit started out, um, it kind of started off with this idea, idea of defining fitness. And I think that you've touched on it already, like building muscles that, you know, that's one part of fitness, but it's not a holistic view of fitness. And I think it's always really interesting when people sort of say, I don't want to lift too many weights because I'll get really bulky. And it's like, I mean, yeah, if you only lift weights, you'll, you could get bulky if you really tried at it, but it's a lot of work to get bulky. Um, and it's not going to happen accidentally. But if you're doing, if you're doing a, a mixed modal program like CrossFit, where you're doing different things, your body adapts to what you're doing and what you're doing does not serve itself well if you get super bulky so you your body's going to adapt in a way that helps you get better all of those things like if you're you know doing 400 meter intervals and then jumping on the pull-up bar you're not going to get super bulky doing that it's you know even if you do do you know bench press the day before like it, it doesn't work like that you're kind of you're you're kind of can, not canceling out but you're just making sure that your body is like all right so there's multiple demands so let's adapt to all of these and it's that uh, sort of rising of all ships kind of thing. Yeah. And also, 
it, it's hard to say because it's difficult to it's difficult to see yourself in the future um however that bulk that you're so worried about actually you begin to realize after years is hard work and it took it took time to earn that you know and then you start then your perception of what that bulk is becomes something you're very proud of you know like if a lot of people worry about their their traps or their shoulders or something and they go oh i don't want to do crossfit because look at these people with the amount of olympic lifting they do and look at the size of their necks and things but then you know they begin and two years down the line they're like oh check out the size of my traps and they're so <laughs> proud of them because they realize it took a lot of work to get there man the amount that i wish that when i was a teenager i'd got really into you know delt raises and uh, and bench press because my shoulders would not be as puny as they currently are and are trying to keep up with the other things that i can do like it just having having muscle around joints is no no bad thing it uh it stops them being not good joints when you get older like it's building muscle when you're younger is a massively important part of not having no muscle when you're 50 60 70 80 um the amount of people that are in their 50s and 60s that have got you know decrepit levels of muscle where they shouldn't have they should have more muscle than that um is massive and it's i think it's one of those weird stigmas that people have that they've picked up societally that you know you should be stick thin and you should have no muscle anywhere and it's uh well on the i mean more on the female side of things which is you know a really not not great uh idea to have because again it's it's massively important to have skeletal muscle um for both sexes yeah and the you know crossfit like crossfit talks about 10 physical attributes to fitness and strength is one and power and speed are other ones um but all those things are not born equal, especially at different periods of your life. You know, like you just mentioned there is like, as people get older, strength does become very important to maintain or develop just for overall longevity. Whereas like perhaps, you know, arguably maybe like your, your agility or something like your suicide ladders and things like that are probably not something you're going to be doing as much of in your eighties as just developing your your general strength um likewise though like in younger uh, younger age groups like the crossfit kids stuff they don't say right they need to start on like a heavy five by five program and they're going to small of junior their way through like their single digit years you know they're probably going to work on coordination and balance and you know things like that yeah and i i think that's a really good point is that you know you've got your uh, 10 general physical attributes that you're kind of trying to train with CrossFit. And this is one of the things that, that I think CrossFit, you know, nicked and, and put together from various different places. And that's kind of a theme with CrossFit is that it like it amalgamated a lot of stuff that was really good and that was out there in the world that just needed to be joined to another thing as well. Um, and you've got, you've got power, speed, strength, you know, your, your respiratory endurance, flexibility, stamina, coordination, agility, balance, and accuracy. Like it's a load of things. And, you know, maybe in the middle of your life or maybe just before the middle of your life, you'll be training all of those things equally if you're doing like if you're doing CrossFit to a T. Um, but in reality, you know, across your lifetime, and that is a big focus with CrossFit is like it's improving your work capacity or what you can do across a lifetime. You're going to work on different things more predominantly in different periods of your life. Um, something we were chatting about in the, in the last podcast with Ellie was the idea like, increasing the amount of strength training as she got older but in a different way so that you can avoid the decreases in skeletal muscle but also uh, like bone density because that becomes more of a pressing issue you kind of like slightly biased towards that maybe here and there um, but overall you're still trying to um, deal with all those 10 physical <clears throat> 10 physical attributes um, and you know in your younger years, you might be doing those, you know, ladder sprints and you're doing agility training that you might see in like a, you know, an NFL combine video. Um, but then in your later years, that might be doing side steps um, and then going to forward steps. Uh, and, you know, like your squat may be, you may go from like a, you know, a heavy front squat to sitting down and standing up off a chair. And it's not that those things are different by kind, they're just different by degree. Absolutely. And, the idea then would be like 
you know, as you as you reach the margins of your experience, that's when maybe that's you know that underpinning strength issue that you've got and that you can't break through is actually due to a flexibility reason, or is actually due to like a coordination reason, or you know. So that's where like the ten attributes do become important. So you know, if you wanna, if you're just finding like you're getting stuck in a rut, it might be by working on another weakness, another attribute that you then break through that ceiling. Yeah, and I, th- I think that comes back to looking at it holistically, um, which I think in in certain sports and in certain disciplines, you kind of is not the way that people usually go. They they just kind of keep battering their head up against the wall of of one thing that's holding them back. And instead, actually, if you kind of step back from that a little bit, really examine where your performance is at, like your motor patterns, how are you moving, how much freedom of movement you've got in your joints, have you got a weakness downstream or upstream of that? Um, like say you're you know, you're trying to improve your 100 meter sprint time. Like if you just go out and bat 100 meter sprints every day and don't change anything, it's not going to necessarily make that better. If you're, you know, 10, 15 years into sprinting, your areas for improvement are going to be refined and refined and refined. And you might have to look at some of those more holistic elements of your performance to be able to eke out those extra little marginal gains, which is, you know, one example of that. But that's a very specific example for people that are in top level athletics or have been in athletics for a long period of time um and i think that's kind of an interesting point to like to bridge into kind of how how crossfit came about and how it proved itself um like i've got things i've picked up over the years of like where it kind of all started and there's certainly like things you'll notice that you know there was a very heavy um, influence or tie in with uh first responders and frontline uh military personnel um a big part of that in in the sort of like early days of crossfit um and how i suppose do you do you feel like that was kind of i I think that's less present now i suppose in 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 crossfit but what was i suppose what was the importance of that for crossfit well i think uh, quite a few people from crossfit at the very beginning all kind of came through uh those lines of work and they just saw it as being fit for purpose for you know Dave Castro's coined term of unknown unknowable and the military being probably the people that throw their bodies and their lives into you know extreme circumstances where they have to be prepared to deal with anything at all is um, was the big sell to them and I believe that that's actually what kind of created the level one seminar uh, it was police um, somebody was asking uh, Greg to run a CrossFit seminar. And he's like, oh, we don't have a seminar. We just, I just basically talk at people for hours on end about, about CrossFit. And they're like, oh, but if you make a seminar, then, you know, the, the police department will pay for it and it'll be training. And I think that's what, uh, I think that's what started. I believe that's what started off the first ever level one. Yeah. I think I read that somewhere as well. Um, and it kind of makes sense. Like, it, you know, for the, for the average person who you know maybe got a desk job and enjoys getting out and doing some sports in the evenings and weekends you know like the consequences of us not being fit in the moment are not super high but the consequences for someone who's on the front line of any you know uh potentially life-threatening situation um whether you're in the fire service or you're in in the military um are, are pretty high so the, the the want to be prepared for any situation whether it's you know rocking out with like 20 kilos on your back for you know 30 miles or something awful like that when you didn't plan on it um or you know carrying someone out of burning building you know these these sort of things are not things you want to have to do but you want to be damn sure you're prepared to do it in the moment and not you don't end up finding you're like oh, i wish i was a bit fitter in this moment yeah you end up putting yourself at risk as as well as the other person right yeah for sure um so i think that's like i think that was a big that was a big allure for a lot of people when they saw crossfit kind of coming through and you know um getting adopted by people in those situations you're like well if they're doing it they must believe that it's preparing them for what they're going to go into so it's probably pretty good for getting more generally fit um yeah i think a big thing there to kind of like chat about is and we kind of grazed across this and is and I think this is something that comes up quite a lot is the idea of general physical preparedness versus athletics or sports specific training. 
um, and what the differences there, how they complement each other, and and are they are they uh, complementary or are they antagonistic to each other, and that kind of side of things. Because I think that's something that you know, for people who are really into one thing, that is quite often a concern. So, what is what is GPP, and why is it important? So, I mean, it's a good question. I think, like the general physical preparedness, like GPP discussion is kind of its major crutch i believe or it really hinges on the idea that before you become a top athlete who's a specialist in the minutiae of how to throw how the discus leaves your hand or something it's going to be predicated upon a base of just how strong you are how flexible you are how coordinated you are so the argument then would be if you had a very, very strong GPP base, then it would aid any sports specific kind of training that you would do after a point. And that anybody who the worry is, is that anybody who goes too far down the rabbit hole and only doing sports specific stuff will then over time stop practicing and training their GPP and their overall performance might just start to stall. But I mean, I think when you look at most people's training nowadays, we got so smart to that, right? We this is this is starting to change over time. Like what what is GPP training now can still look pretty sport specific, I think. Um somebody who throws is gonna do more work on their upper body. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um I think it's really interesting when you kinda of see and I think we've seen this come and go, is this idea that like you should try and make your strength and conditioning or your general physical preparedness work really sports, like really sports specific and trying to like mimic exact patterns of movement that you would do in your sport in the gym. And in reality, like you want to train your body to be better in the gym. So then when you go out in the field, you can do your sports specific stuff there. And I think that's something that's really interesting that like, you know, you've seen some weird setups of people with bands and various weights getting flung about in specific ways to try and mimic exactly what they'd be doing out in the field. It's like, no, just go out in the field. Like that's going to be a better way of practicing exactly what that is. But in here we can go, okay, if I get you to squat and I see your hips shift across to one side, I know we need to work on some unilateral work. Like we need to, we need to break this down and kind of go, okay, where is your body deficient or where is it, you know, unnaturally, you know, non-symmetric in how it, how it works and we can try and like build you up to be a better athlete in general then we just layer that sports specific stuff on top and that's not you know it's it's not a it's not a uh it's not a totally simple way simplified way of looking at it but it it is important to kind of think of like what you do as training is not necessarily going to mimic exactly what you do in the field like if if you get a stronger back and stronger core and you get out on a triathlon and you're out there or you know like an ironman that kind of thing you're going to stay in a better position with better posture for longer so it's going to suck for less time like you're going to be you know your breathing mechanics are going to be improved by the fact that you were stronger in your trunk and your core so that you're able to maintain better positions and it doesn't make you just feel like you want to stop for like most of that race absolutely and as you get as you get better and better in any sport, a massive part of that is is efficiency in your movement as well. You don't want to be wasting energy. Um, wasting energy will just mean that ultimately you better have more than anyone else in the tank if you want to win or uh, increase wear and tear, right? GPP can help make you more robust by identifying any like asymmetries in your body um, to you know, prevent you wearing down one leg or one hip more than the other over a long distance run. So you can continue to run for many more years. The last thing any top level athlete really needs is an injury. It's the, it's the main thing which will stall any progression. Yeah, it just means time that you're not able to train when other athletes will be able to train. Um, it, it's, you know, it's a recovery battle. And if your recovery is getting set back by injuries, that's not, not ideal. Um, and it's more fun, right? GPP is so varied that it, breaks the monotony of you always practicing the same thing like you said earlier about the sprinter if all they're doing is day in day out is just turning up a track and just running in a straight line you know how how refreshing will it be to go into a different environment in a gym for example and then maybe do some i don't know some depth jumps or some squats or even a rope climb you know it's just something different 
Yeah, for sure. And I think that's important is like it keeps the fun um, because you can quickly lose the fun when you get deep down the rabbit hole of training for a sport. Like if you're in the, you know, in the in the last stretch of a year long training plan that you've been doing for a really specific event, like if you've been training for some big ultra distance thing, um, you know, you will have spent hours upon hours upon hours every day and week in just like a, you know, single speed pain cave where you've just been going at it and going at it to increase your increase your aerobic endurance. But it's not necessarily leading to you enjoying the process and you may never do it again because of that. Whereas if you're, you know, training in multiple different ways and like, yeah, you're going to, you know, if you want to go and do an Ironman, you're going to have to spend a lot of time in the saddle, a lot of time running and a lot of time swimming. No one's debating that. But if that's all you do, you're going to learn to loathe those things unless you're a really specific type of person. Um, And the other side of it is, you know, if you think about that, you know, that cycle, if you think about, you know, where's your heart rate going to be in that? How much power are you going to be outputting during that? If you think that you can either get similar, uh, similar intensities and similar feelings doing other things, like if you go and do, you know, five minutes of burpees, you're going to get put in a in a pretty dark place, and it's probably going to feel quite similar to the last ten minutes of that race. Like it's going to feel pretty horrible. You're going to be breathing like you've never breathed before. So you're going to get the similar like a, a similar metabolic response in your body it's gonna it's gonna challenge you but it's gonna be easier to find than it was on the bike if you've been spending years on the bike because actually you've adapted to that bike you're really good at that bike and in order for you to find that really deep dark place you've got to really you got to really push on that thing which is a good thing to do but also getting out and doing other stuff is going to challenge you in different ways like if you're just in one you know sitting on a bike is like the least athletic position that anyone's ever invented don't get me wrong it's my favorite sport but um it, you know it's basically like athletic sitting um with a forward lean in your torso it's like it's not a good position um and if you only spend time in that position like just think about like what's going on in your body and that you're just like laminating tissue together to make you so that you can't get out of that position and that your body like is fighting to get into that position whereas if you go out and do you know a lot of work on lunges a lot of work on like extending the hips and a lot of work on like releasing tension in some of those other areas like getting into some mobility like you're gonna just enjoy being on that bike more instead of it just being like an absolute grind where your body is like stuck in that position and it never feels that good anymore and yeah there's there's, there's a lot of fun to be had out of the sport that you're doing and it will complement what you're doing in that sport yeah and especially in the gym I I train a few uh, gymnasts and stuff and you know I always uh, some days of the week a goal is simply to make training much much harder than any competition day they'll ever experience you know make them feel worse because or you know ensure them they can get through that and then on a training day sorry on a competition day they'll feel like yeah I'm a bit tired but I'm nowhere near as bad as I am in the gym and I know I can do another workout after this or do another routine or whatever and that's just massive like psychologically it's not just like it's not just what your body can physically do if you put electrodes onto the muscles and made them twitch at their maximal like that you you may never actually achieve that level of output from your muscles without doing that sort of weird scientific side of things but psychologically if you're in the right place you'll be able to tap into more of what you can do but also you'll be more positively minded towards being able to do that instead of thinking like already being defeated when you walk in there like if if you've done you know a horrible workout like you know some of the worst crossfit workouts that have put you in a really horrible place and then you kind of go into something that's like half of that you're like ah piece of cake absolutely easy yeah and it's, it's all down to mentality we've I think most of us have been there. We've tried a bleep test, our heart's not been in it, and then we end up with a score like, you know, a full round down on last time. And that's just because we are you know, we we couldn't muster up the the mental strength to put ourselves through the ringer like that. Um, or doing a fran, just thinking, Oh I'll just go unbroken and we'll see how we do. And then you end up resting like one minute between the 15s and the nines and get like a seven minute time instead of, instead of a sub five or something. I think that's one of the big things that CrossFit really brought in was the idea of intensity and that how important that is to what you get out of the program. Um, it's I, one of the, sorry, it's one, no, of the no, things, it's one of the things I think a lot of people find is scary about CrossFit as well. I think intensity is a, uh, People are like, oh man, this is gonna 
this is going to suck. It's going to be hard. And you're like, well, yeah, I mean, to overcome accommodation, you you got to put yourself out there a little bit, you know? And I think that's a big thing CrossFit did do is like they said, yeah, you're going to, you're going to blast yourself here. And I think for some people, especially first responders and especially people who did sports like team sports, maybe like rugby and things like that, they were like, oh yeah, I've been waiting for a feeling like this. And I think for a lot of newcomers, they're like, that sounds absolutely fucking terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. And it it is interesting because like when you train people who have got a background in making themselves hurt for a living, um, whether that's sports, whether that's, you know, their, their professional occupation in the front line, that kind of thing. They're just like, oh yeah, I recognize this. Let's wade towards this. But for those of us that have just come off the couch or or off the street and and, and not really experienced that before, it's pretty daunting. Like it, it is. If you're used to going for a jog, and I say jog, not run, like the idea of doing like 400 meter sprints mixed in with a load of squats and a load of other work, it's just like, no, that sounds a bit tough. But I think that kind of leads into what I think really for me is probably the crux of what made CrossFit so broadly appealing was the scalability of it. And I think like, not just for, not just for people who need to make things less intense or like adjust to their intensity, but people who need to make things harder. Like, you know, the people we've talked about so far, these top level athletes um, and, you know, people who are in first responders, like they can take a workout and make it harder because they're at that level of fitness. But for most of, most people starting CrossFit, it's actually the appeal is the fact that I can do a workout next to someone who is that fit but I can bring it to my level and still get the same benefits. Yeah. And the, it's celebrating the effort, right? I think that's something CrossFit has done really, really well to build community around the level of effort that people put in. So we're not celebrating the person who lifted the heaviest that day. We're actually celebrating the person that, that finished last or hurt the most, you know? And if we go to any live event, um, whether it's, a local CrossFit event or an in-house one or a sanctioned event, you always get that feeling of watching the people who are they're they're leaving everything out there on the floor. And all you want to do is jump in and do the same workout because you're so inspired by other people's efforts. Yeah, I, I think that's a massive one. And I, 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 something we chatted about on the last episode with Ellie was that, you know, when you leave that environment of, you know, whether it's school, college, university uh, the military a sports team you lose a lot of what actually makes training fun and that's training around other people who are pushing themselves hard because whatever it is within our dna and our ancestry that 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 does this we see someone pushing hard and we're like let's get let's get a piece of that let's do it um and i don't know what it is but it's so damn useful and i think over lockdown it's something we really realized is so key because it's hard it's hard to it's hard to synthesize. It's hard to emulate in any other way other than being next to someone who's like leaving it all on the floor. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've got a big stupid grin on my face right now because we're talking about it. It just makes me think of it. Like I just walk around the gym, like an absolute sadist when there's something like 50 cows for time on the bike or something. I just, I don't know. I just, I love seeing people just doing their best and getting everything they can out of it, you know, and knowing that, Oh, I'm going to have to do it too. And it's going to suck is one part. But the other part yeah. is that knowing that we're all going to be better at the end of the day, once we're, once we're through it, you know, there's a little like, there is that little party inside. That's like, I'm really nervous about this. I don't want to do it. I really want to do it. Oh, it's going to suck. I'm going to push hard. And you're like, you've got this like weird sort of devil and angel on your shoulder thing, just like going through all the emotions and it's exciting and you feel giddy about it. And then you get it done and you just feel amazing or awful but you know eventually amazing <laughs> um and it it's kind of indescribable and i i think that's you know for people who have only ever been in a um like a leisure center gym and and gone in for a few hours and no one's ever talked to them and they've just kind of trained on their own it's something you don't appreciate is so important until you actually experience it yeah and it's just fear of the unknown right because like this is us going back to the the intensity part of it is like that is that description that you just gave that is intense enough for anybody it doesn't matter how good you are at crossfit or anything else like you just gotta just gotta go hard give it your best shot and then after that like feel great everyone feels great and it's high fives and all round and you leave a little bit better at the end of the day but that's that's the essence of 
of what CrossFit's all about. And it's and, it's it's also where your body, you know, adapts the best. Is at the is at the fringes. Like yeah, yeah, there's there's importance of just doing an, a level of activity like day in, day out. But in order for your body to improve in its ability to do anything, you're gonna have to push it. And that's a hard thing to that's a hard thing to muster. It's a hard thing to make yourself do. Um, but I think massively that's what CrossFit really tapped into was have other people around you doing that thing. And it makes it much easier to to tap into that when you have such a broad set of physical attributes as well, because, you know, tapping into improving your coordination or your balance or your accuracy is a very different type of strenuous activity as your strength, for example. So you're not just going in and getting crushed under load every single day. And I think that's also important to like coming back to the longevity aspect, like, you know, there are some, there are some older powerlifters, there's some older bodybuilders. There are some people out there that either have the genetics or trained the right way throughout their life that they've reached an old age and they're still doing that thing. But there's not many sports that have a level of longevity like that. I mean, we we're chatting last episode about weightlifting, Olympic weightlifting, and you know, there's some people have got some decent longevity in that, and that's really cool to see. And I think it's something about the level of, uh, or the amount of time that you spend without a large amount of load when you're Olympic weightlifting because it's so skill-based that a lot of your progression is going to come from spending time in sub-maximal loads, i.e. not going hard every day. Um, but a lot of a lot of other disciplines are about going hard every day and it doesn't lead to that much. And going hard every day, sorry, I should caveat that in one specific way. Like if you come into, if you go into a CrossFit box and every day is squat day, that ain't a CrossFit box. Like, yeah, there's going to be at least a one heavy day that week, and it might be squats in a in, in like a good in a well programmed crossfit box. But the day after that, you might be doing the thing that really sucks, which is L sit chin ups or something like horrific like that. Which like strict handstand push ups. <laughs> oh, I still I still don't understand the physics of how that's supposed to work. <laughs> um, but there's something that you know it naturally helps your body adapt to you know, a long-term level of fitness because you're not loading your spine in the same way that every day. You're going to get the benefits from loading your loading your back through some deadlifts or some, you know, some squats, but you're also going to get the benefit of like developing a really, really strong trunk, which always makes me think of elephants, um, like core, <laughs> core system of like everything between your hips and your shoulders is going to get stronger from all the work you're going to do on like wall walks working towards handstands and it's not that the party trick of being able to do a handstand push-up or a handstand walk is the be-all and end-all but the foundational work that you have to put in to be able to do that is going to set your body up in really good stead for being able to not have back pain in your 50s because you are going to develop a level of core like integrity which allows you to you know crack on with anything you want to do whether it's like digging the garden or if it's going on longer runs because you know if you see someone at the end of a long running race their pelvis is all over the place and their rib cage is flared out and that is not that is not a pretty running stance um and part of that is down to the fact that like the integrity of their uh, their ability to like brace their body and hold a position over long long duration efforts is not as good and if you'd worked on that handstand it may well be yeah and the the same with the this this is like when i think general public and stuff as well your your regular member will start to lose sight of things a little bit they'll say you know i really want to get this pull up i feel it's close so i need a pull up program and they don't realize that like you just said is like the reasons why perhaps they're not reaching a pull up just yet is also because they're not working on some of those other attributes so looking back over their training history, did you attend the three 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 deadlift day two days ago? No, nah, I don't like strength days. Okay, well, you know, maybe that would have given you some more of that grip strength and kind of engagement that would help you on the pull-up bar. Yeah, and I, I think that's mm-hmm. that's the kind of the bird's eye view that you have as a trainer when you're looking at it and you kind of go back over people's attendance and you're like, yeah, like you've kind of missed some some pretty key things, and actually your training consistency's been really low. And those are that's important. Like it's a minimum of three hours per week, and there's a reason like we don't offer a membership that's less than that because we know that you're going to be unsatisfied by the fact that you're not going to get fitter. And it, that's important. Like you you do have to keep showing up and doing the work. 
yeah and you you know every little bit helps everything in a big in a grand enough scheme you know we're not we're not at the stage where we're talking about you know before about elite athletes they are they are you know fringe extreme athletes and yes working on the tiniest minute detail of one particular thing could make all the difference at tenths of a second but when you're talking about somebody who just wants to you know lose a bit of this and just tone up and get a bit better then yeah like you know these bird's eye approaches are very very important it's just consistency and variance is what's going to help everything overall like move along the quickest yeah for sure and I think that's, you know, we've chatted about top level athletes and we've chatted about people off the street in this. And I, I think one of the big things um, on a physiology perspective and, and kind of looking at the data that, that CrossFit recognized early on was the fact that if you look at health markers and any of the major ones that you, you choose like that day, um, if you look at those health markers in top level athletes, they're the opposite end of the spectrum from people who have you know, the bad end of those, you know, whether it's type two diabetes, uh, whether it is, you know, um, skeletal fat, that kind of thing, like, uh, you know, or visceral fat, you know, the, the idea that if you get to the top level of athletics, your body is as far from those diseases and the ravages of aging as, uh, as is kind of possible if you kind of look at it broadly. Whereas if you're in the trenches of those things, if you look at those health markers, whether it's triglycerides or any, any, any one measurable you want to pick, they're at the opposite end of that spectrum. So I think that like, it doesn't matter whether you're off the street, or you're a top level athlete. If you strive for the same thing, you're going to get closer to what we call fitness and further away from what we call sickness. Yeah. And yeah. And like we said, is like, that just comes down to time, just doing it regularly over a long period of time. And for me personally, and you know, this isn't, that's why CrossFit is available to anybody who wants to try it, but it might not be for everybody um is the variance makes it less boring so it's easier to be consistent every day you go in it's different and the main thing you're celebrated on in inside the main thing you feel good about is the fact that you showed up that day and is the fact that you gave your all yeah rather than what you scored exactly like we I, i think that it's it it's kind of a bit distracting the fact that we score everything like every single workout has some measurable and that's important for for us as trainers to kind of see that you're progressing but more for you to see that you're you're progressing like the amount of time that i spend pouring over every individual's you know metrics on you know specific lifts is not as much as you know that's not the most important part like it's more important that you as a as an athlete uh, and that goes for everyone are seeing that you're getting progress and you're you, you can't see progress in things you aren't measuring so there's a there's a really important side to measuring scores but the more important thing is just showing up and getting it done. And I think you could get distracted by the fact that the scores and that that's maybe the most important part. And it's, it's not, that just is a way of you keeping track. Yeah. By, by scoring everything, it kind of takes away the caveat or of any bias because a good CrossFit program shouldn't have really any bias. Um, therefore, if you score everything and you record everything, then you're not only keeping the times of the workouts that have pull-ups in them or something like that, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a big thing. And it's like, it's really easy to, like, I think of the same thing as like with body weight. Like if you are in any way trying to change your body weight because either for health or for, for athletic performance, if you aren't measuring that, it's not going to go the way you want. And like by consistently measuring something, you will make improvement in it. Because it, you know, I know for myself, like you know, I've I've never been the lightest person, and at times where like that's maybe crept up, and you know, having two kids makes you gain a little bit of the old the old dad bod. Um, you uh, you kind of like oh, I want to get that back under control, and then suddenly you realize you haven't weighed yourself in like six weeks, and you know that's because you've been eating like crap. You've not been training that hard, so you just stop measuring the thing you knew was clearly going in the wrong direction. But if you're like you know, if you're in the right mental place for it, and I like, you know, there are some issues with like, uh, you know, the, the psychological side of like weight management and, and things like that, and not glossing over that. But, you know, if I, for some reason, don't weigh myself in the morning, if I'm trying to like, cut down on the amount of body fat I've got, I know there's a good chance that I'm probably going to give up on some of the other good practices that are going to go alongside that. 
So like if I'm consistently measuring something, I'm A, going to see improvement in it. I'm B, going to be more attentive to the things that are going to change that measurement because I want to see it go in the right direction because I'm going to see it the next day. And that's the same thing with CrossFit. Like if you do the open um, and seven minutes of burpees comes up, which I, I think is fairly likely to come up, come up in this this year's open. Um, if you do the open and you do seven minutes of burpees and you're like, oh, I sucked at that. I got like the last percentile in the world for that workout. Uh, it was awful. Um, but I did great in the deadlift. And then the next, you know, three years down the line, seven minutes of burpees comes up again and you don't get any better a score. It's like, well, you probably weren't tracking any burpees in the intervening time, were you? Um, <laughs> or, you you know, you were probably skipping those other things. I bet I've got a load of logs in your uh, in your app for uh, for deadlifts, but I probably don't have many logs for, you know, burpee intervals or that kind of work. And it's like, yeah, if you're not measuring that thing and you're not seeing the deficiencies and the variance of your program, then you're not going to get better at it. So was the seven minutes of burpees 11.1 or was it... I, I think it might have been. It was way back in the. That was like first when I started doing CrossFit. I think I don't think I even did that open. I wasn't. I wasn't ready for Gavin to hassle me into joining the open at that point. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not keen on that workout. I think it might be seventeen point one. The dumbbell snatches and burpee box jump overs. Uh, that, could, that could sneak up. Yeah, uh, I would be. I wouldn't be see. thankful for that either. <laughs> I, I distinctly remember being in, in Arch 2 in CrossFit Glasgow and you and Gavin both standing over me laughing as I did burpee box jump overs because I was just in an utter suffer fest of hatred towards that workout. I don't even know what the workout was. I just know it had burpee box jump overs in it and I was having a crap time. Oh, we were like, we were baying for blood at that point because we'd both been, we were hosting a seminar that weekend and uh, there was a live announcement in Paris of that workout. So we were through for that, came back through to Glasgow to the weekend of first weekend of the Open, but also hosting a seminar. So day one of the seminar, I believe Gavin had to do the workout solo with Rob Lawson judging him. And Rob Lawson's like, basically, uh, he's a super good athlete. So, you know, he's pretty, pretty uh Gavin was feeling pretty ashamed of himself by the end of that. And then the <laughs> following day, I was covering the gym for the seminar. And then Dev Dennis, who's also like an ex kind of regionals level athlete, judged me at that. And I did it solo whilst everyone else is sitting having their lunch. It was, it was dreadful. Oh, well, that, so, that would not be my ideal situation. <laughs> so I think you came in and we were like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, everyone. Everyone's got their uh, what they used to call it. Your goat, your uh, you know the movement or the movements or the workouts that are just not your bag. Um, and I, I think that that's that's something that I, I think at, at the beginning you're like, oh, that kind of sucks. But over the years, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get better at that. And you do start to like see progress in that thing, and it's like that's the that's the bit that really feels good when you do a workout that you either have always sucked at because it's just not your wheelhouse or you know you haven't done in a while and but actually you come back to it and you do better because you've been training and you've been you know doing crossfit you've been doing varied training and you've been getting fitter and it's that's what's really nice over a longer period of time is, is seeing those improvements in the workouts or the movements that you really are not naturally good at or don't naturally like yeah there's everybody has something they're not naturally good at it's it's abnormal not to um, but it's also abnormal to find anybody who has practiced the things that they're not good at because everyone likes practicing the stuff they are good at. Oh, obviously, because yeah, why it feels good. You? Yeah. So, you know, you've got a big deadlift and making it even bigger makes you kind of like stand out even more as having a good deadlift. Um, but usually say if burpees is the thing you're, you're not so good at, like you can, they usually tend to be neglected, so they tend to pick up very, very quickly, and you see progress in them very quickly. But will they ever be anything anyone goes, oh my goodness, that guy's dynamite at burpees? No, probably not. And you'll probably have to always work at it, which is why I think, like, you know, you over time you'll be like, man, my burpees got pretty good for a while, but my deadlift's still going up. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not many people that brag about their uh, one-minute max burpees. Um, I think that it's it's interesting to sort of think about, like, over, you know, what, the past 11 years that you've kind of known about CrossFit or been involved in CrossFit. Um, I suppose CrossFit itself has changed a lot in that time, and some of that has been positive, some of it's been negative, um, especially in more recent times. But, like for you and your relationship with training and CrossFit as, as like, as an athlete, but also as a, as someone who trains other people, like how has your perspective changed about CrossFit and, or, or refined? I think over time, CrossFit, when it really started to blow up, was starting to make a lot of noise around the games and the media team was doing a great job of just, exposing how amazing these athletes are and how good they're becoming um and you're starting to hear like about say you know sam briggs winning the crossfit games but then also breaking a rowing record an indoor rowing record or something and these people are transferring to over to other sports so it seemed like super it just seemed really kind of sexy and exciting and as a result though everybody was getting interested in crossfit was all interested from the games aspect and the competition aspect. And I think up until the last couple of years, there's been a real kind of problem between the the sport of fitness and, you know, constantly varied functional movement to high intensity, you know, CrossFit for life. And that's something which is a conversation that we have to have with our members all the time just to kind of reassess their their perspective of what they expect, you know, like too many people comparing themselves to one another like it's a competition rather than actually going in for themselves and bringing it back to them and their why and, you know, what makes it important to them that they improve. And I would say that over the last, over the last couple of years, it's great to see CrossFit go back to health and, you know, introduce things like foundations in the, in the open this year. And just to go back to the participation part, because that's the part, like we said, is the is the most fun part. And that's the part where truly that's the spirit of CrossFit. If you're going to cheer the loudest for the person who finishes last, then it's not really about beating anyone else. It's about the effort you put in. Yeah, I, I think that's that, that's been a really positive trajectory for it. And I think that it's hopefully something that comes through in terms of like new people who are joining crossfit that's the thing they're they they know about it and that's the thing they kind of that's the thing they want from it um is is more about the health longevity and and that side of things like don't get me wrong i think the games is amazing and it's so cool to watch and i think that that's like that's one of the that's one of the prongs in this um that is super important but i think that like you're saying like the thing that makes it really cool is how broad um broadly kind of broadly doable it is by you know such a large audience of people and i think like doubling down on that by making like the open more open to that is is so cool and and kind of really highlighting the fact that you know you do have people that are absolute fringe athletes and they are fringe athletes like the the sort of people that are making it to the games are you know are really really damn good um and most of us will never reach that level of athleticism and that's totally fine we, we, i can live with that um but that if we try and do the similar the same things to, to them but to a different degree we're going to get the mo- most out of ourselves and like reach the best that we can do as human beings like we do the most of what we were born with um or what we've got at the time and i think that's that's the bit that really is like stands out for me as the most important yeah, I mean, what what do you what do you go home and you speak to Ellie about that evening? Do you do you sit down and say, "Oh, um, Scott got two hundred and ninety nine reps. It was he said it was okay, but he thinks maybe if he changed one or two things in his pacing, he could have got three hundred and six. Or is it, oh, um, James got his first double under today. He did his first box jump today." You know, and he absolutely screamed the house down. Yeah, you know, that, those are like, the bits that are massive. Like, yeah, when you've got someone who's you know never been on a pull up bar before, and they do their first ten second hang, and you're like, that was so cool because it took. You can see that it took so much 
confidence and like you've built them up to the point where they you know they've got the confidence to do that and like take their feet off the floor and you're like for someone who's been on this planet for 50 years 60 years to then go and do that when it, they haven't done it since they're in primary school is massive like when someone kicks into the handstand for the first time in their adult life that's amazing that's so cool like when someone gets their first you know unbroken set of 10 kipping handstand push-ups you're like awesome but when someone kicks up into a handstand for the very first time or does their first wall walk or gets one foot closer to the wall like those are the bits that you're like yes like cheering at the top of your voice yeah and the energy's different right like, yeah and i think everyone can appreciate it because they can see that took a lot and that that was that and that's the bit that i think that you really need to come back to it's like it's it's not necessarily how many reps you get done and all that kind of stuff. And it's really cool when people are top level athletes, but seeing people just push themselves at their, like at their relative intensity is just massive. And that's the most yeah. rewarding part. Exactly. And again, it's like, this is the, this is you kind of like splitting the hairs on everything now. But like we said earlier, it's like, it matters that you record your results, but it doesn't really matter what the score is, you know? Yeah. It's the it's the habit of being accountable to a whiteboard, not the fact not what you actually put on that whiteboard that's important. Um, and I think that's like that's something that you know if you you know if your if your sport is running, like you're gonna know your you're gonna know your times for some things. And if you're not recording your times for those things, they're not gonna get better. And it's the same with anything. Like you you've got to measure it in order to improve it and the more things you're measuring the more things you're trying to improve and if you're trying to improve more things you're going to improve your fitness overall so yeah it's a good yeah. one um after like 10 years of, of of being involved in it like what is what's the what's the main thing that makes you still choose crossfit because like I, I imagine like you you've got a big you've got a big audience there across crossfit glasgow like you know they're all choosing to come and do crossfit and and you've got a great gym there but like you know, day to day, like what is it that makes you still choose to train CrossFit? Um, just the, the the broad spectrum that it covers. It covers everybody. Our oldest member, I believe, is about is eighty three. Our youngest members are three. We do the CrossFit Kids three to fives, and that entire spectrum. We've been around so long now. The gym's become something I never, I never thought it would become. It's just uh, an ex extended family um some of some of my closest friends started off as members of that gym and fast forward 10 years and they've met the person that they've married at that gym and they've and they now bring their kids along the crossfit kids to that gym and it's kind of grown to become something so much more than just a place to to get a little bit fitter and a little bit better but it's actually become like i think an important an important message to to our local community about you know what what a health and healthy and active lifestyle can be for you you know yeah that's massive um like i wouldn't have met ellie if it hadn't been for crossfit like i wouldn't have you know i wouldn't been where i am and like have two amazing little kids um if it wasn't for crossfit which is such a weird thing to say but like the place that you created for people to get some back squats in and do some pull-ups it kind of turned into this you know something much more and i think that's what keeps you turning up every day at 6 a.m or actually you guys have got 5 30 a.m class now don't you crazy yeah. uh <laughs> um it keeps you turning up at like putting the lights on at that time in the morning and uh because it, it is more than just getting people fitter that's a massive part of it but it's it is more which is i think that's the kind of like the the stuff that you can't really put your finger on you couldn't necessarily describe easily to someone or show in an advert for what cross it is but those are the and, bits you've kind of got to experience. And you don't learn it at your level one either. It's something, it's a connection you build with. It's unique to you and your space and your gym and your community. Yeah. Man, that's the that's the big part of it, I think, for us as well. So that's really cool to hear from you as well because you've been in, a, in the game a bit longer than us. Um, but uh, through you guys, that's where we got our beginnings, which is so cool. Uh, I think Ellie was a member of, crossfit glasgow way back in the sense of time way before i was there yeah she we she did crossfit with me before there was even crossfit glasgow did she, did she come through a, what, uh, what was the uh, name of uh it was at the time it was called clan crossfit yep 
that was one of the ones that came up when I googled CrossFit when I first was like, I was curious. Yeah, yeah. So that was the first time I met her, and that place was only open about a year, and then yeah, and then we started our CrossFit Glasgow. Yeah, man. But I mean, we've just been. Yeah, we've just been fucking up for longer than you, that's all. <laughs> making mistakes and making it better afterwards. <laughs> um, it. So we're, fingers crossed, at the tail end of this uh, second lockdown. Um, we might be getting back to something closer to normality for, for ourselves and our members. Um, what, are the, what are the things that you would say to any member who's coming back to training in the gym, whether or not they'd throwing a dumbbell around a handful of times or every day since they stopped training in the box? Like what, what are the things you'd say to them? Um, you're never not fit enough to participate. You know, the, the end of the day, the number of times I hear people say, oh, I need to get back to the gym, but I need to get fitter first. Again, it's got nothing to do with what you used to be able to do or what you perceive anyone else is doing inside the gym. Um, truth be told, like we all sometimes like to think that our situations are entirely unique, but everybody is struggling with something. Everybody has, everybody's busy in their own lives. Everyone has stuff going on and there will be five, 10, 20, 50 other people in that community that will have the same insecurities as you, um, or same worries or concerns and the staff know about it. And if they don't know about it and you're worried about that, then speak to them. Um, I think the, the gyms have not been closed and then they're going to open up. The gyms are essentially like Dan Chappie said, we're you're reopening after almost a year and we want to do as good a job as possible. And that means that we need to like, just make sure that we pitch it right so it's set at a, a decent expectation level of everyone coming back. So I would say the big thing for CrossFit Glasgow, at least, is making sure that our members know that it's not going to be coming back to Fran on day one and expecting a PB um, or get crushing anyone under a one rep max. But you know, it is still going to be, is is still going to be tough. You are still going to train as hard as you need to train to adapt. And, you know, maybe you don't write your score on the board and maybe we just like prioritize attending first. But yeah, I think that's where we're going to go with it. Yeah, that's good words, man. Um, thank you so much for joining me today to chat about this. Um, I think it's like a, it's a really important subject. I think that so that we can kind of put out there why why we're doing what we're doing in terms of like training CrossFit and having CrossFit affiliates and, and that kind of side of things. Um, from our perspective, like, you know, removed from what, you know, is most popular in the media about CrossFit in that moment or what they might have heard from someone else, like from our perspective and why we do it and what you're going to get when you come to to our uh, to our spaces that we've created. Um, how we're going to go about that. So I think it's really important to get that conversation out there. Um, to round out, uh, from a personal level, what are three things that you've discovered make a big difference to your health and fitness? Oh, that's a good question. Um, three things that make a difference to my health and fitness. First of all is knowing what I'm doing. Um, I think I need to, I'm the type of person that has to make, has to write down what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Uh, it gives me direction and it gives me a reason to wake up in the morning and actually like see it through. I find that that's probably my most important thing. Um, after that, recording some of my macros so I know what I'm eating each day. I like to just know if I'm eating more than I should or I, you know, or whether or not I should feel guilty about having that beer one night. Um, and the last one is being social like having fun like doing it with friends try not to do it alone because you know for me the gym is is about like we said those relationships in the community that we've built and that doesn't happen by like you know going secret squirrel head down and doing your training I've, i'm not training for a competition i'm not training to beat anyone i'm training for me and 
yeah, it has to be social for me. Yeah, I think that's often an, an underlooked one. Like you kind of think that all the other sort of like tangibles that you can try and do to influence your influence your health and fitness, and, and but there's so much that's intangible about just being in the right headspace, and a lot of that comes down to like being around people. We're social animals. It, uh, it's important massively. Um, one thing that you would like to do but you struggle to implement for me personally. Uh, oh, I think, uh, just again, same one I've already said is like, I struggle to stay on, I struggle to stay on a a strong, like diet path. I just don't have a need to. So sometimes it is get it does get a bit easy to have a drink every now and again, you know? Yeah. So I think, uh. Yeah, maybe I just need to do a little bit of competing again and take myself outside my comfort zone. Maybe that's yeah. what needs to happen. Get Ian Barber back out on the competition floor. <laughs> <laughs> it's been too long. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Um, so good to chat to you. It's been really good to catch up. And uh, thank you for taking the time out today to join us on the Fall Summit podcast. Oh, man, my pleasure. It's been great. Thank you. No worries. All right, we'll... Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fall Summit Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making it. If you enjoyed the podcast, then pop a review on Apple Podcasts. That'd be super appreciated. And feel free to subscribe to get notifications about future episodes. Thanks a lot, guys, and have a great day.